All right. Well, if you're a talk note person, they're there. We'll get to those fill-ins here in just a second. I apologize. I have a little laryngitis. If you don't notice, this isn't my normal voice. <laughs> Raspy. So my name is Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here at Crossroads. It's wonderful to see everybody today. If you're a guest this morning, I saw a few faces that I hadn't seen before, and uh, great to have you here. And uh, if you are a guest this morning, or if we've never had the opportunity to have coffee and get to know one another, I'd love to do that inside the program or on the website if you're tuning in online. My cell phone number's right there. That really is my cell phone. If you'll just uh, send me a text that says, hey, I was at Crossroads. Here's my name. I'd love to have coffee. I'll meet somewhere and let you buy me coffee. I have no problems with that. Um, no, I'll buy the coffee. But I would love to just, uh, if you have any questions about our church, uh, just I'd love to hear your story, kind of what's going on in your world. And I can share a little bit of ours here as well and, my, and who I am and all that good stuff. So if you'd like to do that, send me that text message. And it's one of the fun things I love to do. And if you are a guest or maybe this is your first time being here in a few weeks, maybe you were traveling and we're in a series and you're going, oh my goodness, what is going on? What's this all about? Well, a quick review of the past three weeks, right? So our anchor verse right? A, a, a verse from scripture that kind of holds it all together is found in John 8:44, And my paraphrase of this says, the devil, the ultimate con man has always hated the truth because the truth brings freedom from his control. So deception and destruction come naturally. It's his character. All lies flow from him like water from a fountain, right? So listen, if God is love, and we recognize that anytime we're talking about uh, the spiritual world, anytime we're talking about beyond what we can quantify with microscopes and telescopes, all those things, we're dealing in metaphor, right? And so if God is love, which I think is one of the most powerful, eye-opening, insightful, inspired portions of the Christian scripture, if God is love, we can think of Satan, right, that idea, or the devil, whatever word, right, as anything that would come against, anything that would try to deceive and destroy the work of love in our lives. Y'all ever had a person, a thing, a circumstance destroy the work of love in your life? Anybody at all, right? Well, we could say in, in pre-enlightenment language that that's the devil, right? I mean, we could say that, and we could say it in post-enlightenment language, depending upon your worldview and your perspective of those things. And so the first week, we talked a little bit about what margin was. And we said that margin is this space between the load that we put into certain areas of our lives and the limits that we have. So it's that space, right? If you think of it like a hot dog eating contest, if you could eat 10 hot dogs and you decided to eat 12, it's no good. If you decide to eat eight, you have a margin of two, right? That's the idea. Margin's that space. And once we have margin in our life, it gives us the opportunity. It exposes the con, Right? It exposes the con that we don't have any limits, that we can just continue to press through all the barriers in our lives. And if we do that, we run this risk of overload, right? And when overload hits, things start to break, right? Love and relationships, those things are what flourish in the margins of our lives, right? You think about the divine work in the world. It, it is at work in the margins of culture, right? When we hit the pause button, right? And so week two... We, we kind of dug deep, right? We kind of dug deep into this, this philosophical, theological idea that what really drives us beyond margin is a belief, is a desire for what we call the sacred object. That there's something in us that we, we, we put wholeness onto something. And we think, if I just get that, I'll be whole. 
And what has to happen in our lives is this idea that we can somehow be whole has to kind of go away because our existence is whole as it is. And that part of wholeness, this is going to sound strange, but part of wholeness is lack. That without lack, you cannot have love. We cannot experience love. We cannot experience the desire to give love if we don't see a lack somewhere. And so lack is actually built into the fabric of the universe. And we talked about how Jesus' cry on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That that, in a way, is the sense even in Jesus of understanding this idea that somehow in Jesus' own heart and life, there was an assumption of what it would be like, right? And so that lack is important. And once we can come to grips with that, than like the Zeus-like God that is in control, that can make you happy, that can stop everything. Like, like once that image starts to die away, we realize, okay, I can, I, can, I can be pushed and propelled into the world to love, right? I can be pushed and propelled, but we have to get rid of the idea that there's some magic object, whether it's money, whether it's a promotion, whether it's religion and God that will make us whole, right? It's just not gonna happen. Now, there's a great mystery on the other side of death that, you know, we won't, who knows about that, but right now, this is the world that we live in, right? And so last week, we started digging into really practical stuff, and we talked about how debt, when we take on debt as a way to break past the barriers and get to this sacred object of possessions and things that we, that we think are going to make us whole, that that as a substitute object really enslaves us, and it limits our ability to love. And we talked about how important it was to, to not see debt as a tool to get something that we want because we think it makes us whole. And we talked about having margin in our finances so that we could love people with our finances. I hope you had an opportunity this week to do that. That was one of the assignments. If you get, you know, we say, what is God inviting you into? It's just a little assignment, right? And we talked about giving away some money this week to somebody, giving away our financial resources, having enough margin. I hope you experienced that this week, all right? So this week we want to talk about something that I'm super good at, And that is margin in our physical health. <laughs> so what happens to me in my body is when I push it to its limits, I get laryngitis. So here we are today. So uh, this is one of those like parenting moments, right? Or life where you're like, do as I say, not as I do, right? So I'm kind of, it was a fun thing to, to like prepare this this week as I was kind of feeling okay. And then like that day that I was preparing it, like the laryngitis started setting and I was like, oh, great. This is going to be awesome, right? Y'all remember those, or you even seen, they still make them now, the Snickers commercials, where somebody's like hungry, and they're like acting like a monster or something like that, and they like give them a, a Snickers bar, and they eat it, and then they're absolutely fine afterwards. Y'all remember, you know those, right? Those speak to like a deep inner truth of the world, right? Snickers like tapped into it, which is why those commercials last, why any kind of marketing branding works is because it usually taps into something pretty deep in our psyches, right? That we know, like that our physical body drives so much of our lives, that our physical, the way we feel physically drives the way we interact with people, drives our ability to be compassionate, drives our ability to be loving, drives our ability to show mercy, right? And so what happens is we often don't have the physical energy, right, to keep up with or to match our mental drive. Right? There's something inside of us that wants to press forward, and then all of a sudden we find ourselves, we don't have the energy to do it. Now, you can think about this from a physical perspective. You want to go on a hike, and you start on that hike, and you realize, eh, not ready for it, right? I had a friend who decided one day he was going to do a, a half Ironman, 
I hadn't really trained at all for it. He finished that half Ironman in the medical tent, right? <laughs> there was a gap there. He didn't live into the margins of his life, right? You ever heard of the phrase halt, right? That when, when you're starting to feel a sense, you're starting to move in a direction you shouldn't, you should halt, right? So if you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, right? Some of you like that was worth a $175 therapist appointment right there. Just in that, like hungry, angry, lonely, tired, halt, like go take a time out, go have a Snickers bar, right? Don't tackle big problems, right? Now, here's what's interesting to me about physical margin and that space between what we can physically do, what we try to do, is that overactivity and underactivity both destroy physical margin. Because it's interesting, margin can be built by building our capacity, right? The amount that we can, the load that we can bear in our souls, the load that we can bear in our lives. But margin can also be built by decreasing the load itself. And the physical world is quite interesting. It's like if you lift weights, you start at one weight, right? I lift tons of weights, as you can tell, right? You start off with the bar, and over time, you build your capacity, right? And so in our world, sometimes we push and we push and we push, and we go too far because we overexert, we overtrain, we over whatever. But sometimes, sometimes we don't take care of ourselves. Sometimes we don't honor the realities of our bodies, and we then find ourselves unable to do the things that we want to do. So there's this kind of unique reality to this area of margin. And I think the con, though, if I could dive into one of those things today for the next hour and a half, and my voice won't last that long, don't worry. I think the big con I want to address today is that, like, youth and beauty will make you whole. Right? We live in a beauty culture right? We live in a world that's constantly telling us you need to be younger, you need to be thinner, you need to be more beautiful, you need to have more hair, Ryan. It's amazing how many things show up, Mary Jane, in my Facebook feed about hair. I'm like, how do they even know? I don't understand this, right? But that's what we live in. We live in a world that says the answer to life's problems is like that vigor, right? And that says we've got to live in that. And then there's, there's this other weird side of that con if you're a spiritual person, Right? The other side of that con, if you've been a church person, you've been a person who's kind of thought about God in your life, is that, oh, this body doesn't matter. It's just a tent. Paul says it's a tent that's fading away. I don't need to care about it. The only thing that matters is my soul, my spiritual life. So there's a couple of big cons that, face, that we face in that. But I want to really focus on the con of like the beauty culture. Right, that it's about how old you are, it's about your weight, it's about how beautiful you are. And what happens is we think if I can reach whatever that is in our lives, you assign it. You assign the number on the scale, you assign how many hairs on your head, you assign the clothes, whatever it might be. Like that is how we break past the the barrier into wholeness. Right? If I just complete this next physical activity, right? So those things become the sacred or the substitute sacred objects, right? We're trying to get the energy, the health, the beauty that we think is going to produce wholeness because our world tells us that we're constantly bombarded by it, constantly being told you need to have this product, you need to work out this, you got to do these things, right? So we're chasing after it. Or we're chasing after the next big physical accomplishment. That's something weird about the way I'm wired. I like to do difficult things. So it's always like, what's next, right? And the prohibition to get to that sacred object of youth and vigor and wholeness, right, is our age, Come on now, can somebody over 40 say amen? amen? Right? The age, your age is like a law. 
You know what I mean? Like transgress that law and you will see what happens, right? So we talked about this story in scripture about the veil of the temple curtain, right? The veil that, that keeps the sacred object of wholeness found in health and beauty is our age, right? Is our limits, our physical limits, is an injury that we experience, right? That's the prohibition. Like I just can't get there. And so we take our substitute objects, right? Energy drinks, right? The latest diet, Right? We take our, 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 our idea that, well, if I, just, if I take on this latest beauty tip, if I get this surgery, and, and again, all of that stuff, like I'm going to find my energy from it. Right? And, and here's the thing, the gym, the surgery, the diet, these things that produce a sense of beauty and youth, right? when we believe that they'll make us whole, they become substitute sacred objects and we become enslaved to them and they become a law for us. And we drive and we drive and we drive and we push ourselves and we live under this big con, right, that Red Bull will give you wings. You know what I'm saying? Some of you are like hiding your Red Bull right now. Like, wait a second, what is going on? Right, so what's your Red Bull? Right, it might not be Red Bull, but it might be something else. Like, what is it that you think can stop the decay of your physical body? What do you think that you put into your life can stop you from having to actually face the barriers of your physical limitations? What can produce youth or vigor like that you think is going to make you whole? Like, I think we all have that at some measure in our lives. And here's the thing. It's not that these things are bad. It's not that they're bad. Right? I'm not here to tell you that drinking a Red Bull is bad. I'm not here to say going to the gym is bad. I'm not here to say plastic surgery is bad. I think that's a dualistic way of thinking. Right? It's what we do with these things that becomes something that's very healthy or unhealthy. It's when they become substitute sacred objects. Let's ignore the reality of the prohibition. Let's ignore the reality of life and age. And, and all of a sudden, we find ourselves spiraling. Right? And what happens? When you and I ignore our physical limits, we've all done this, we eventually crash and burn, right? We lose our voice. And with that, I'll take another sip of my throat coat. But that's what happens. We eventually crash and burn. We've all experienced it. There's, it's not a germ that hits our body, right? It's no different than the germ that hit our body four weeks ago or five weeks ago, but we've just run our body down so much chasing after whatever it was that we thought would bring us wholeness. And scripture does offer us some wisdom when it comes to this, right? Now, the first thing I want to say as we look at some scripture verses around the idea of our physical bodies and physical margin is that laziness is not the solution. Nice try. Some of you are like, sweet. <laughs> I'm just building physical margin in, so no need to worry about any of that exercise stuff. No need to worry about going to work. No need to worry about taking walks. This is so great. I love Jesus. Right? Like, where was this Jesus earlier in my life? Right? Laziness is not the solution. Right? Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4 and 5 gives us this beautiful statement. The slack hand impoverishes, but the busy hand brings riches. A son who gathers in summer is a credit, a son who slumbers during harvest a disgrace. Now remember, Proverbs are probably written for people that are part of a royal court, uh, upper middle class, so they generally work, right? So we have to be really careful that we don't read this and go, oh, oh, poor people are lazy people. Because this doesn't take into account systemic injustice and the reality that happens in our world. So these are general realities. If all things are equal, and if a system is set up that is just, when you work hard, you should, right? But the reality is, that's not the case with our world. 
But the principle here is, listen, laziness will bring its own problems, right? You might feel like you got all the energy in the world, but you're going to have all kinds of problems with your character. You're going to have all kinds of problems with financially, (laughs) right? So laziness isn't the answer, right? Laziness will produce its own set of problems. But Proverbs 14, 13 tells us something that can contribute to our physical health and our physical margin, and that is our emotional and spiritual health. Right, so Proverbs 14 tells us that our emotional and spiritual health, like this is a contributing factor. I think of those things as the same thing. I'm a simple person, right? So our spiritual, emotional, psychological health, all that contributes to our physical health. Look at what Proverbs 14:30 says. A tranquil mind gives life to the body, but jealousy rots the bones. Now, think of jealousy as desire, right? For that thing that somebody else has, that's going to make me whole and make me happy just like them on their Insta, right? Like that's what jealousy is. So jealousy is that desire, right? Taking root in our lives, guiding us, controlling us, making us go move past barriers, thinking that we can, right? But what does it say? It's powerful. A tranquil mind, right? A mind that's steady, a mind that's consistent, a mind that is at peace, right? That gives life to the body, right? And so the way we examine and think about our world, the way we care for our souls, the way we tend to that part of us that isn't about the, the, the exoskeleton, right? That isn't about the skin and the muscle and the stuff that we, we put under microscopes is important. And then I love this reality because it hits close to home to all of us and it's kind of convicting and we're like, wait a second, but here's the thing a lack of physical margin at the end of the day, and I know this well, let me speak from my own failures, is a self-control problem. (laughs) At the end of the day, it's a self-control problem. Proverbs 25, 28 says this, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Right, so think of that, that analogy, that metaphor of a city with broken down walls. That's a city that cannot defend itself. It's a city that will fall, right? So think of your own life, your own body in a sense like that, right? If I, if I don't exercise self-control in my body, my body itself is like a broken down wall. I can't defend itself against invaders, right? right? So there's this reality that I have to learn these principles of self-control and every body is unique, right? Every one of our bodies are unique. We're in different spaces. We're in different places. We have different levels of immunization. We have different levels of immunocompromisation, all these things. But the general principle is self-control is a key to developing strength, whether it's a city that has broken down walls or whether it's in our own lives, right? And what happens is if our, if our, our life is not filled with self-control in about every area of our margin, by the way, If our life isn't filled with self-control, one area will inevitably affect the other area. You know what I'm talking about? So like if I don't manage my time well, my schedule well, that's going to dictate a lot of my physical margin. If I don't manage my finances well with with financial margin, chances are that's going to affect my schedule because I'm going to have to start working overtime. I have to start doing all these things. And then that's going to affect my relational mode. So they're all intertwined. When we lack margin in one area, we'll start to self-medicate somehow. Whether it's get a fourth job, right? Whatever it might be, we'll start to self-medicate. Whether it's take, you know, extra diet pills, whether it's find a new diet, whether it's whatever, We'll self-medicate when we get stressed in our emotional life, and maybe it's shopping. 
Who's, who's the self-medicators that shop? Come on now. Raise your hand up. I'm one of those. I could do that. Something feels good about buying something when you're lonely and hungry. Y'all ever shop at the grocery store when you're hungry? Yeah, don't do that. Right? That'll affect your margin in your physical life, right? <laughs> but that's what I mean, you know? Like, it affects everything. And it'll affect our, our, our whole being. And so really, I think what's powerful here is that we have to recognize that physical margin in our lives is about trusting the right energy source, not the substitute sacred object of youth and beauty. Right? That if we recognize where our energy comes from, where our ability to say yes, our best yes, and where our ability to say our best no is, is important. And so we have to ask the question, where does our strength come from? And I think as people who have made a decision to follow Jesus, I love this passage out of Isaiah. It says, but those who trust in the Lord, those who trust in the Lord, right, they will find new strength. I love that. Not old strength, but they'll find new strength. They'll soar high on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. Now, can we talk about this for a second? This passage, by the way, doesn't say, so go do whatever you want. Because God will just give, no. To trust in the Lord is to trust a mechanism, a way of sustaining life, a way of being that puts you in a situation to have the energy for the day. You know what I'm saying? It's not like, oh, well, I just trust in God, so I'm going to go do whatever I want, and I'm going to go push myself physically, and then I'll just say, Lord Jesus, come on now. Give me those wings like eagles. And then we take another Red Bull. And meanwhile, like, the Spirit of God is like, what are you talking about? Not even I can help you through this nonsense. You got to take a nap. <laughs> you got to rest. How in the world do you expect me to move and work in your life when you're so strong, you're so physically exhausted? Ah, no way. So the path to physical margin, right? Two things. Regularly monitor your spiritual health, your spiritual heart, and regularly monitor your physical heart. I think that's an important part of it. And we trust that as we trust in the Lord, we think about our spiritual life and how we've been kind of wired and created to exist will then affect our ability and we start living under those principles. Then we start going, oh, wait a second. Now I can manage. So in our everyday normal life, some real practical things. Monitor your spiritual heart, right? How do you monitor your spiritual heart? Now, here, here's what I would just say to you. You got to think about your spiritual heart every day. You got to think about your soul every day. You got to manage that every day. Now, maybe you heard it like this before at a highly religious kind of legalistic environment. You got to pray and read your Bible every day. Pray and read your Bible every day. And maybe that works for you. Go for it. I'm not here to say it doesn't. If that's a joy in your life and it sustains you, you should do that. But for some people, that's not a sustainable reality. Those are not the spiritual habits that will help them you know, reflect on their heart. They will actually harm their heart for whatever reasons. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't, on a daily basis, consider our spiritual hearts. So daily consider that. And that could be a song. Just pausing and saying, hey, I'm going to turn the radio on this morning. I'm not even telling you what channel to turn the radio on. And you just pause and say, God, will you open my heart up to some truth that can bring me hope? Will you open my heart up to something that might, I might find healing in the music that I'm going to listen to on my way to work today? Can I take a meditative stance in that moment to experience your goodness through whatever comes on the radio? 
just had quiet time with Jesus. <laughs> but you've got to figure out what works for you, right? So daily bread, daily bread. And then weekly rest. Honor the principle of the Sabbath. I cannot express I can't like convey this anymore. So like honor the principle of the Sabbath. One day a week, live like it's heaven on earth. Don't strive, don't struggle, don't work. That doesn't mean don't go mow the lawn and do yard work. If you love mowing the lawn and it gives you energy and you love gardening, go garden on your Sabbath. I don't. You will not find me with a lawnmower in my hands on my Sabbath. Right? It's, we're all different. The principle of the Sabbath is, I love what Abraham Joshua Heschel says in his book. He says, just one day a week we're called to live as if heaven were on earth. The principle of heaven, the perfection, the space, that we don't need to strive, we don't need more. It's just present. That's what is behind so many Sabbath laws that exist. So six days you work. Don't forget that one either. <laughs> That's my favorite. Like when people are like, oh, work. No, no, no. Six days you work. That's the spiritual principle, I think, is in our, in our Christian tradition that's powerful. Now, that doesn't mean you go to work that pays you six days a week. It just means you work six days a week. Not afraid to work. Get the things done that need to get done six days a week. And then one day a week, you rest. And, and think about in your spiritual life, weekly, the rhythm of gathering. I think gathering's important. Again, I'm not a legalist. I'm not telling you you got to come to this building. If you're watching online, wonderful. <laughs> if you're kind of gathering with people to, to find soul care and to care for one another is in a small group, wonderful, right? But you have to ask yourself a question. How often do I miss a gathering? How often do I miss, you know, some time to think about my soul on a daily basis? And these are just kind of traditions that are part of our religious heritage. And so I encourage you. I encourage you to think through those things. And then, like when you do that, when that starts to work and you start to realize like the foundation of spiritual health and you start to be empowered to say no to certain things, you start to say, oh, this is... Then you can like, I think you start to go, okay, well, let's talk about my actual physical heart. Let's talk about my physical health. Because if you start talking about your physical health without a groundedness and you are loved, you are known, you, you don't have to be anything more than you are, Right? It all starts there in all these margins. Right? So your physical heart, I just want to encourage you to do good work. Right? Those six days a week, work hard, focus, take breaks, work well. Right? Think about your physical exertion that you're doing in that work week. Right? Listen to your body. Your body is not a liar, by the way. <laughs> your body does not lie to you. So how often do you work more than six days? I'm going to take a drink on that one. Not look at my wife. How often do you work more than six days? Do you get good sleep? Do you actually rest? Right? God gave us rest, physical rest. Do we rest? Get into a pattern. Don't overindulge. Come on now. You don't need to be sleeping 45 hours a week, you know, uh, on top of your nighttime rest, you know, sleeping a total of 90, you know. But hey, naps aren't bad words. Right? They're not, it's not a bad word. You're not lazy if you need to rest. So get into a rhythm, right? All the studies show, like, sleeping is so important to our physical health. Do you get into a rhythm, going to bed at the same time, getting up at the same time? These are things that are important because they are all connected to these other areas of our lives. So let me ask you this question. How often do you not get enough sleep? How often do you not get enough sleep? 
eat good food. Some of you are like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in church. Like, what am I? I'm just reminding you, eat good food. <laughs> right? Eat good food. Watch the progress trap of like prepared foods. Like, it's dangerous. Right? We live in a fast-paced world, right? Water, water, water. That's what everybody tells us. These are good things, right? These are good things to care for our bodies. Get moving. Move. Be active in a way that honors who you are, right? So whatever that is, go out and do it. Something you enjoy. Just get active. Your physical heart beats 100,000 times a day. 100,000 times a day. 1,600 gallons of blood are pumped over 60,000 miles of vessels in your body. It's quite a machine that we've been given. Care for it. Aerobic exercise brings out that. So whatever that looks like for you, choose what works. But be intentional. Make activity a, a priority for you. It's going to be different for all of us, right? So how many times a week are you active, right? Be purposeful in that. How long has it been since you said... I have the time to do something that I enjoy that is active, right? And I just want to encourage you, don't, don't underestimate the power of common sense in your physical health, right? There's just so much out there, right? Just don't underestimate the, 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 common, the, the power of that. Just like, I should move a little bit, right? There's a reason why my watch says it's time to stand, you know? Right, this doesn't have to be rocket science. You don't have to be an Olympic athlete here, right? And just stick with it. Be realistic about stuff. Don't do foolish things. Set realistic goals, right? If you haven't walked in 40 years, don't be like, well, I'm going to run a marathon next week, right? Just relax. Be patient. Be persistent. And here's what's powerful. Like when we're physically healthy, when we're like rested, when we have these patterns in our lives, you know what grows in us? Endurance to love. How many of y'all have hard people to love in your life? Raise your hand up nice and high. Raise your hand up if you're sitting with them, right? No, I'm just don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. But we all have people in our lives that we find it hard to love. But here's the thing. As a follower of Jesus, you just don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. We're called to die to self and love. And that's difficult and that's hard. But when we're physically rested, when we're eating well, when our bodies are functioning, right, it's a lot easier to develop what's called long-suffering. Long-suffering is an endurance to love. And we will grow in that as we learn to live in this kind of pattern of stress and release. You know, that's what this is, like that rhythm of six days you work and one day you rest, that's stress and release. Six days your life, you live with a measure of stress on it, and one day you release that stress. You do that, we do that when we work out, right? You don't go to, if you're a gym person like me, you know, you I can't even say that with a straight face. <laughs> like, you don't, you don't just go do arms every day, right? You don't do that. You got to give your, your arms a, a chance to rest. So you stress the muscle and then you release it and relax it. And that's where growth happens. So Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He's actually talking about a whole host of things when he does this particularly in his context, he's dealing with some realities around sexual impurities and some unhealthy practices that were kind of seeping in in his understanding of culture and life into the Corinthian church. And this is what he says in 1 Corinthians 6. He says, do you not know that your body is a, is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, 
and that you're not your own. You've been purchased at a price, therefore glorify God in your body. That's wisdom right there. It's wisdom. That I can actually glorify God with my body, my actual physical body. And remember, for me, the word glorify God, when I, to break that down into like everyday terms, to glorify God is to make the world a better place and to make me a better person for the world. Like that is the only way I know to glorify God, is that when I can become more loving, more gracious, more generous, that reality. So we glorify God when we recognize, I, gotta, I can't load my life up with more, so I can watch what I put into my physical life, you know, and I can also grow my physical strength at the same time. So as we wrap up, what is it that God's inviting you into today? We're going to take a few moments here and just reflect and pause. I've got a great song called I Shall Not Want. <laughs> we just sing it in faith. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but this idea that when I experience the fullness of love, I can embrace lack and I don't have to live this life of want. That's really the idea. So what is it that God's inviting you into today? Maybe it has nothing to do with the talk. Maybe you've got physical margin licked. That's awesome. I know some of you do. But maybe there was something else today that you just sensed God speaking into your heart from our time together. Maybe it was around cancer awareness. Maybe it's around Oktoberfest. Maybe you met somebody in the atrium. Maybe you chatted with somebody online and you learned about a need and you said, I can be the answer to prayer there. Maybe that's what the Spirit of God's inviting you into today. But maybe God's inviting you to think about this idea of physical margin. And maybe you sense God saying, why don't you build some more margin by being intentional about work and sleep and eating habits. Just think about it. Not in a sense of guilt or beauty culture, but in a sense of health. And maybe the Spirit of God is trying to free you from a sacred object that you think will bring you wholeness, and that is physical beauty and youth. Maybe that's just been a hard one. And the Spirit of the universe is saying, let's let that go together. Let's let that go together, that it's okay to be in your space in life with your physical abilities right where they are, that love can use you and love can fill your heart and your world regardless of how much hair you have on your head, regardless of how fast you can walk a mile. Maybe there's just a release that needs to come in that kind of thinking. Maybe you just thought about a friend who you've been talking for a long time about getting active together, playing pickleball, going on walks, right? Running a 5K, I don't know. Maybe that friend popped in your head and you just sensed God saying, oh, reach out to that person. Find a pal. Not to hold you accountable. That, oh, man, don't do that. Oh, that's awful. Last thing you want is somebody calling you, holding you accountable to exercise. But just somebody who will walk with you and love you when you do exercise and when you don't, right? Just share that together. So I want to encourage you to take a moment to breathe, finish filling out your Connect card, your giving envelopes are there. I want to say thank you to your generos- for your generosity. Thank you to those of you that give online. Thank you to those of you that give regularly to continue the work here that we're doing to create things like Oktoberfest and spaces like this where everybody is welcome, no exceptions. And as this song plays, just quiet your heart. And kind of towards the end, our room hosts will make their way and they'll pick up the baskets and receive the giving envelopes and the connect cards. And then we'll have a blessing for you on your way out today.